Ah, thank you guys. So, um, did anybody else here grow up in the 80s? I grew up in the 80s. Um, so there's a song that might get stuck in your head. Um, but the, the title of this morning's message is, What's Relationship Got to Do With It? Not What's Love Got to Do With It, um, but What's Relationship Got to Do With It? And I'm going to tie it in a little bit. Um, last Sunday, we talked about Psalm 24. We talked about a few different things, but I talked about a generation that seeks after God. And uh, there's this idea of seeking Him, having relationship with God, and that we are a generation, I'm declaring, that is going to seek God like never before. In fact, uh, this was not in my notes, but even talking to uh, Dave Hunt right before service, he's teaching our kids right now. Um, but he was talking about how he went to a secular thing at work, and they were talking about the generations, right? We talked about that last Sunday, how there's the, the great generation, the baby boomers, the, what is it, the Gen X, millennials, whatever, all those different ones. Um, and this secular, um, I don't know, course he was in, they were saying that they are projecting that the youngest generation that's coming up, whether they're Gen Zs or whatever you label them as, that they are projected to be swing the pendulum, become very conservative, and actually go back to roots. And so I was like, oh, even secular people are saying that they see the pendulum, it's been swung so far that it's going to come back, that people are so sick of all the extreme this way that they want to come back to those things. And so like, oh, that's good to hear. And so I'm declaring that it's not just these young people, that it's the generation that all of us are alive today, that we collectively, no matter what your age is, we are alive together in one generation. We are going to seek the Lord together. And so I'm so excited about that, that I had to spill that over into today. Um, so I'm going to, I think I have a slide for it, uh, uh, declaration that I made uh, last Sunday uh, about our generation. And so I don't know if you guys, are the slides working back there? Yes, no? Maybe so. But I have, uh, it's one of my first slides. It was something for, left over from um, last one. And I don't actually have it on mine. There it is. All right. So regardless of circumstances and qualifications, we are a generation that will fear God, seek his face alone, and find our worth in his presence. We are a generation that will overcome the enemy, inhabit the promises of God, and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Um, I had to say it again because, when I, like I said last Sunday, when I wrote it down, I was like, that wasn't just me. I know that wasn't, that was me mixed in with the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that's scriptural, right? Um, but I'm saying there's something the Holy Spirit was birthing that inside of me, that I begin to declare that over not just my kids, but over this generation that I am a part of, that that's who we are. That we are, we are going to seek God's face. And so um, I'm spilling that over. What's relationship got to do with it, right? This idea that everything we do in life, I want it to be about my relationship with Jesus. Some people tell me, um, Pastor, it's all about the word. It's all about the Bible. It's all about the word. And I always say, amen, it's all about the word because Jesus is the word of God. And so I love God's word because it gets me into deeper relationship with Jesus, that to me, it's all about Jesus. I'm not, de I'm not uh, degrading God's word. No, it is a holy word. It is God's breathed word. I love it. But I don't have a relationship with a Bible. I have a relationship with a person, with Jesus. And so I love that the Bible is one of my best ways to get to know Jesus. And so it's all about relationship. When I go to spend time doing devotions, it's not just to get information in my head, not just to memorize scripture, not just to get some good morals in my life. The idea is that I am deepening my relationship with Jesus. That's why I'm spending time in the Word. That's why I'm praying is because I care about my relationship with God. And so that's part of what, uh, if you don't remember, and this is, again, kind of recapping some things, um, the mission statement of Osmond Church 
Our mission statement talks about this, right? Um, what are the first four words of our mission statement? We pursue a relationship. We pursue a relationship with God, right? By embracing his promises, encountering his presence, and empowering his people. That's our mission statement here at Osborne, that we believe those three things, that when you come here, it's about relationship with people, that last one, right? Empowering people, that when you come here, that's part of my job as a pastor is to empower you with the truth and the word of God, to encourage you and equip you for the work of the ministry, that you are here. My relationship is not just with God, it's also with man, right? And so the idea is that when you come to church, it's about relationship with God, but also with people, that yes, encountering his presence. I love that on my own, I can get in a prayer closet and I can enjoy God's presence, just me and him, and I love it. But there's something that God has called scripturally for us to gather together, that when two or three are gathered in his name, there he is. There's something about his presence that he's saying can only be experienced in relationship with others in the body of Christ. You can have a personal relationship. We're all called to have a personal relationship with God. That's good. But we're also called to be in a relationship in the body of Christ. And so if we want to encounter his presence, we've got to do that on our own and in the body of Christ. <clears throat> and so the final was that first one, right? Embracing his promises. Good God, I'm losing my voice from yelling during worship. And then uh, <clears throat> Benjamin came back with no voice too from camp. Um, hopefully it's not laryngitis, right? I'm just... <clears throat> um, so this idea of relationship, we pursue a relationship in everything we do. In decisions we make, money we spend on things. I'm saying that relationship should be something that we put a higher goal on, a higher emphasis. How does this affect my relationship with God? Whether I choose to watch a movie. Again, I don't know why I talk about TV a lot. TV is not evil. I watch uh, movie nights with my kids. There's things that we do where we watch that. But all the things I go throughout without life, I want to bring my relationship with God into all those things. I don't want church to be here on Sunday morning and then I go do my own thing throughout the week. It's No, I'm in a relationship with God all week long. And how am I, what's relationship got to do with this? Every little thing that I do, what does relationship with Jesus look like in this? How do I include him? How do I bring him into things? And so that's important for me. Um, this idea of friendship, uh, reading about a relationship with God. You read back in Genesis, Adam and Eve, right? It says that Jesus would come and walk in the cool breeze of the day, that there was this deep relationship. It wasn't God in heaven over here, and every once in a while on, on the seventh day when God rested, that's when Adam and Eve would spend time with God. It was every day Adam and Eve had relationship with Jesus. That's, what he's all, that's always been his goal from day one. For you and I to have ongoing, continual relationship with him. I love the story in Genesis about Enoch, right? It says that Enoch was this friend of God. They would just talk to God all day long. And I, I kind of think this is me reading the scriptures. I think sometimes angels were like, God, all you do all day long is talk to that guy. Like, you're in heaven. He's on earth. Like, just get it over with. Like, just get him up here so you can talk to him. Like, why, why have this veil of separation? And so that's what Scripture says, that Enoch was walking and talking with God, and then, poof, he was no more. He just went up. Like, he was so deeply related to God, they just talked together all day long. That's what Enoch was doing. God's like, just get up here already, right? And I think maybe that's what happened to Stella. Stella's like, in the hospital, he's like, why drag this out? Why try to heal that old physical body? Just get up here, Stella. Let's just have a good time, right? There's this idea that friendship, Stella was a friend of God. 
You see that Moses is labeled a friend of God, that he spoke to God face to face. There's this idea that we can have friendship with God. I know that might seem strange and weird because he's a holy, holy or a set-apart God. But it's his desire from the very beginning to be in deep, intimate relationship with you. Jesus even says this in John 15, 15. I don't have the verse for you, but it's a good one to memorize. John 15, 15. Easy to remember. 15, 15, right? Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. I call you friends. And then, yeah, in the message, it says it this way. It says, I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I call you friends because... I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. He's saying, why does he call you his friends? Because he's let you in on the secrets of God. There's things that the world doesn't know. And he's like, yeah, but you're my friend. I want to let you know that. I guess coming back from camp, there's things that I'm glad my kids wanted to tell me what happened at camp. I don't like it when I say, how was school today? Good. What'd you do? Nothing. Like, no, I want to know what you did. Like, I want to know. Jesus is like that. He wants relationship. He doesn't want to just have one word responses. He actually wants relationship. When uh, school's about to start up, don't remind my kids, uh, in a week or two. And when they get back and see all their friends, they're going to be asking, what'd you do this summer? What'd you do this summer? There's this idea that people want to know what's going on in their lives. Jesus actually wants to know what's going on in your life. Yes, he's already aware, he sees it all, he knows everything, but there's something about the relationship with you that he wants to hear it from your lips. He wants to know how your day is going. He wants to walk with you and talk with you along life's narrow ways, right? All these things. He actually cares. There's a God in heaven who created everything, who holds the whole world in his hands, and yet what finds, what piques his interests more than anything is you. He can watch Dolphins twirl, and he can watch the gymnastics, right? He can watch the, uh, the Olympics and watch all these cool things that are going on right now. And he's actually, he's more intrigued with your routine daily life. Oh, he's fascinated. That blows my mind. I, I don't, my finite brain doesn't fathom that. But God is interested in this finite being's world. Really? But he is. He's all about relationships. Jesus kept saying, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. It's all about relationship. I'm just doing in my relationship with the Father. That's what I'm exact. If you see me, you've seen the Father. The idea is he was so rightly related to God that he exemplified him. That's our goal. I heard a pastor say this one time, and it's kind of just been stuck in my head. Every once in a while, it was not in my notes, but it just it sticks in my head. We owe the world an encounter with Jesus. We owe them. We owe the people we come in contact with in our family, our friends, coworkers, classmates, strangers. We owe them an encounter with Jesus. That's only going to happen through relationship. Thinking about this idea of friendship, I was thinking about how Jesus said it in John 15, 15, right? I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friends. But actually, the verse before, he gave a new commandment. He says, all right, I came to fulfill the law. But let me just tell you, here's the new commandment. Let me just sum it up for you, right? In John 15, 14, he says, this is what I command you, right? That you love one another as I have loved you. 
as I have loved you. So there's this connection that Jesus is saying, I want you to be one with the Father just as I am. He prays that over us in the next chapter, right? Ah, oh, he's just praying that we become one, that there's this relationship and intimacy. But then he's saying, all right, it's connected with your relationship with those around you. I believe Jesus is saying in John 15, 14, and 15, he's saying your friendship and relationship with God is actually directly linked to your relationship with mankind. The way you treat your fellow brothers and sisters, it has a direct correlation, a direct impact on your relationship with God. I'm not saying that your relationship is severed with God, but your enjoyment and his enjoyment of being with you, it's actually connected and it's vitally connected to your relationship with those around you. Jesus is saying that. Just, I'm commanding you one thing. Love one another. Be in relationship with one. Think about relationship all the time. I was reading, I don't remember what book it was. I was reading a couple different books and they made a statement. I don't think I have the direct quote and I think I'm kind of plagiarizing and changing it for myself. But they, they were talking about this idea of agreement. And they're saying that, you know what? Speaking the truth is important. We got to hold on to truth. I spoke, I think, two Sundays ago about truth, right? All the importance of truth. And man, I've got to partner with people that know the truth, right? Scripture even says, don't be equally yoked with someone, right, who doesn't know Jesus. There's this idea that we are supposed to find people that we agree doctrinally on about who Jesus is and then, and then have deep, intimate relationship with them. That's scriptural. But there's something sometimes we, we read into that. And we say, well, unless you agree with me, then I can't have a relationship with you. And that's not scriptural. That's not who Jesus exemplified. You can actually disagree with somebody and still have a healthy relationship with them. Uh, I heard my wife say, yeah, because sometimes we disagree. <laughs> we don't, opposites attract, right? We can look at something and she's like, no, I like that. Nope, I like the complete opposite, right? There's things that we don't always agree on things, but it doesn't mean that our relationship is severed and we don't like each other and I don't want to be around her. No, I'm actually attracted to the idea that she likes things that I don't like. There's things in the body of Christ that we are called to be attracted to our differences and actually not repelled. The enemy wants to highlight our differences and say, oh, then we can't be in relationship with them. And God is saying, no, actually, if you elevate, what does relationship have to do with this? Oh, can I touch on hot topics, right? Uh, wearing masks again, all these vaccinations, all these different things. We can have disagreements on things. And I'm not saying that we can never talk about them, but I'm just saying relationship is the higher goal. The enemy wants to cause whatever he can to cause division. That's his goal. My goal is that we would come together. We can still disagree. There's people that I love that Vote opposite than me politically. Ah, okay, I'll even share this. Yeah, I don't think I have a problem saying the name. Even the president of Los Angeles City Council, Nuri Martinez, I saw her come up this last week on Facebook. It was a little post that she was posting about something. And when I listened to it, my stomach went, Arr. I was like, I completely 100% disagree with her. But God has brought her into this sanctuary several times. It came up on my Facebook memory feed that it was three years ago that we had the national night out, and I stood on stage with her with my arm around her, taking a picture. And I was challenged by God. 
Ryan, it's not okay. You're allowed to disagree. I want you to disagree with her. Where she's at is actually not biblical on certain things. So I'm called to disagree with her. That's the truth. I should disagree with her. But I'm still called to actually have some type of healthy working relationship with her. So I've got to figure out what does that look like. I want everyone in the world to know she's wrong. At the same time, I have to steward, but God's brought her into my life to have a relationship with her. So what does relationship have to do with it? I can't say, well, it's just truth. Well, God's word says this, so she's wrong and she's an idiot. I, I can't do that. I, she's been brought into my life to have relationship with her. So what does that look like? There's often tension in scripture. Things that we wish there was just black and white. But I, I, I'm reminded all the times, I didn't look it up. In Proverbs, it says, verse after verse, it says, don't answer a fool in his folly. Very next verse, answer a fool in his folly. Wait, which one am I supposed to do? Yes. yes. And I think so much of that, the answer you will find comes in the context of relationship. If relationship is your goal, you'll know whether to answer or not. If your goal is to put that person in their place, then don't answer the fool in this folly. Keep your mouth shut. So many things in scripture, they can actually be understood through the lens of relationship. I just want to know what to do and what not to do. God is saying, actually, no, this book was written in context of relationship. So what does this look like, this truth, what does it look like in your relationship with that person? I was thinking about, uh, Nick, Pastor Nick talked about uh, the parable of the prodigal. I was thinking about the prodigal, that story that Jesus talked about. Did the dad... Chase after his son, his prodigal son. After he gave him his money and he left into a far country, did he chase after him? No. He let him go. But wait, didn't Jesus give another parable about a shepherd that had 100 sheep and one wandered off? What did the shepherd do? He left the 99 and he went after the lost sheep. So which one is the truth? Yes. Which one ended in a deeper relationship between the two? Both. So I'm telling you, truth matters. I'm not saying just dumb down truth, but it's always in the context of relationship. I can disagree with somebody and not even bring up that disagreement. I can disagree and I can actually talk about that disagreement in a lovingly way and actually speak the truth in love. But when am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to do that? The Bible isn't going to clearly spell it out for you. It's actually in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he's going to say, keep your mouth shut, Ryan. Ryan. Open, be bold. Open your mouth right now. It's all in context of relationship. What's relationship got to do with it? And so I want to read, um, give you some scripture here. Romans chapter 12. You can open up your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. Open up your app. Um, app. Romans chapter 12. Am I allowed to say this is one of, another one of my favorites? Um, I love Romans chapter 12. I, a lot of people graduating, and I got to underline Bibles, you know, as a gift. People are get, giving Bibles, and different people highlight things. Romans 12, this is always one that I go to. That's one one I, I underline. So I'm telling you, it is one of my favorites. Um, and it's one of my favorites because I just wanted to get a couple verses. And because it's a favorite, I'm going to read a whole lot more than we have, probably have time to because it's just, it's all my favorite. Um, so Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, let's see if I can pull it up on my, yeah, there you go. In the New Living Translation, it's, oh, nope, I have an NIV. Hold on, let me switch to New Living. Here we go. It says this, and so, dear brothers and sisters, 
I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. I'm going to stop here. Hopefully I don't stop at every single verse. We won't have time to get through all the things I want to get to. But this verse, our kids coming back from camp, I can tell you I've been to multiple youth camps where that was the theme verse. I've preached on this verse. I've heard tons of sermons on this verse. I, I know this verse. I love this verse. This is the one that I highlight, right? But as I was reading it in context of what God is saying to us today of relationship, right away, I don't know how, because you read the chapter, it's pretty obvious there's an easy correlation to be made. But for the first time, the lights went off in my head that this could be not just my physical body, but actually the body of Christ. To present Osborne Neighborhood Church, the local church body of Osborne Neighborhood Church, to present that church body to Christ as a living sacrifice, holy, set aside, not conform to the patterns of this world, not doing whatever the world does, not blast each other with you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm right. What does it look like for us to sacrifice, to present this church body to the Lord and say, God, I'm taking ownership. It's not just the pastor up front that owns what happens in this church. I'm part of the body here. I'm responsible for what Osborne looks like, feels like, tastes like, what people think and the encounter they get when they hear that we together are presenting this body to the Lord as a sacrifice that he finds acceptable. So verse two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Again, I'm in the context, not just of me personally and my physical body, but as a church that we can begin to think differently as a church body, that we can think as one, that we don't have so many disagreements that are being highlighted, that those things that don't really matter, I think about um, Pastor Mark Looning, who came here years ago and he wrote a book on the circles. And he talked about, man, the core, about Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's non-negotiable. Then there's all these other things that churches split over, right? Different doctrines and different things and speaking in tongues are the gifts for today, post or pre-trib, you know, all these different things. It, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters a little bit, but not really. And then can you wear hats at church? Can you wear jeans? Can you go flip-flops? Can you, all these things, they're peripheral. It doesn't matter, right? At some point, I've got to be unified and agree and actually enjoy relationship on those core things. And so we've got to think differently. So verse three, I got to go faster. Because of this privilege and authority God, God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. That's a good one. I can say this to myself probably every day. Ryan, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other. You belong to me. I belong to you. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, 
take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showering kindness to others, do it gladly. I'll stop there. I'm not going to pinpoint and re-preach all that. This doesn't mean that you get to pick and choose, well, I'm just a giver, so I don't have to encourage other people. No, this is actually the gifts of the body. All this is part of the DNA of who Jesus is. So it's flowing in all of us. That we all are to be encouragers. Uh, Even in the Old Testament, Moses says, I wish that you all prophesy. So we all can prophesy. We can all give. We can all minister to one another. We can all be kind, right? This isn't just a special gift for the pastor, right? This is for everybody. But I love that Paul said kind of the beginning of this. He says, but I'm warning you, don't think highly to yourself. And then he he lists these things we should be doing. And then it kind of, I feel like, as I read this chapter, that's why I like this chapter, Because I can read it and I can get conviction. I can find areas in my life that I need to work on. Romans 12, if you want to know, I need to work on my life. I need to work something out. Read Romans 12. There's some things that just encourage you to do. I'll keep reading. Verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Oh man, never be lazy. I wish I could say that was true for me. I was never lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. We'll stop there. Verse 13, we won't read anymore. But there's this list of things of what it looks like for us to be in relationship with each other. Paul is describing to the Romans, this is what it looks like. You Romans, you were part of a Roman empire, and this is how it was kind of dog-eat-dog world, right? The most powerful. He's like, no, it's not about who has the most power, the most authority. Actually, you are part of a body, and you are to serve one another. If you have more money, then you get to spend more money on other people. It's a privilege. If you have more power, then you have more responsibility to serve people in a greater degree. The kingdom of God is always flipped upside down. That the least of these, right? As it goes, this is Romans 12. You go to 1 Corinthians 12. Paul talks about the body again. And he kind of says, are we all an eye? Are we all a foot? No, he kind of goes to the body parts. And he's saying, no, actually, the places, those pieces of body, parts of our body that are actually the most, you know, hidden are actually some of the most important ones. So he's talking about these things that we are all valued. We're all needed. We talked about agreement, relationship over agreement. Hmm. You know, I was thinking about, I talked about COVID a little bit already. The enemy does not like the church, right? Newsflash, right? The enemy does not like the church. It's the body of Jesus, so he's going to attack and do whatever he can. But if I look at the world this last year and a half, two years, COVID and all this stuff, it kind of looks to me that I can see that the enemy has put a, a physical attack on the world, right? COVID, it attacks the physical body. It attacks, right? It, it's killed people. We just, Stella, all these things. We see an attack on physical bodies. But you remember that we as humans, we are a triune being, right? We have a physical body. We have a soul, which is our mind and our heart, our emotions, our reasoning things. And then we have a spirit, 
And I, I can see that the enemy over this last season has attacked, I'll say, the soul of our nation or the soul of society, right? From political things, from racial things, from riots, from court cases, you name it. There's kind of been a war waged on the soul, on reasoning. What is the truth? This is how I reason things. This is how my emotions, I get mad at things, right? I can see a Facebook post and my emotions got mad, right? There's been attack on our soul. I don't say this to scare you or to prophesy negative things, but if the enemy has attacked our physical body and he's attacked the soul, don't you think he's going to attack the spirit as well? And part of that is the church. We are the spiritual representation, right? People look at, oh, the church, that's the spirituality of, of America. There is an attack to divide the church, right? We can say, oh, well, the church didn't get to meet in person and that was the attack, but now we can meet in person. I don't think that was the attack. We still got to have church, and there were some of you who grew spiritually during that time of being physically away from our church. I think the enemy wants, right, Jesus said it, a house divided can't stand. So maybe, maybe one of the, I can't, I don't know, I'm, I don't know everything that the devil's doing, but maybe that's going to be one of his attacks is to divide the church. Newsflash, the church has been pretty divided over the last several hundred years. But he wants to intensify that division. So we've got to not be scared of that. We've got to say, oh, that's what he's doing? Then I'm going to walk in the opposite. I'm going to enjoy my church body more than I've ever enjoyed my church body. I'm going to find joy in my relationships with people that I disagree with. That I can disagree with them and I'm going to enjoy them all the more. I'm going to speak the things I do enjoy about them, the things that we do agree about, the things that I'm thankful for about them. I'm going to speak everything opposite of my emotions maybe and my reasoning. I'm going to be spirit-led because I care about relationship. I feel like it's, it's, this is so core. Like I said, the mission statement, we pursue a relationship. Here at Osborne, I feel like that's got to be repeated over and over again. It's got to be ingrained. It's got to become just, maybe that we say the word ritual is like bad, but I'm saying it's got to be just a common ritual thing. This is what we do. When we come to church, it's not just about my relationship with Jesus. I come to church to have relationship with people. I come to experience and encounter the presence of God with other people. So what does that look like? I'm telling you, I've been guilty tons of times during worship where I'm just, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to lead the church. And there's times when I'm like, I'm just having a great time, me and God all by myself, and I'm completely unaware of what else you guys are doing. There's times that might be good. There's times where I might end to think, you're the pastor, Ryan. Relationship with people. I need to lead people as well. So when you come to church, I'm, I'm, I'm being vulnerable and honest with you. When you come to church, some of you, I just need refreshing from God. Yeah, you might. But you also need to be a refreshing for somebody else in the room. What is our purpose? What is our goal? It's relationship. We are pursuing relationship. That's who we are at Osborne. It's in our DNA. It's part of who we are. When a new person comes, I'm, saying, I'm not saying we're bad at it right now, but I'm saying we've got a lot to improve on. We can get better where we don't scare the people away, but where they are just deluged with, man, those people, they just wanted to get to know me. They really wanted to, they cared about me. That there doesn't have to be a unique, like that's the hospitality team's job. Like there's those three people, they're the hospitality team, so that's their job to greet people. Like that's not my job. No, you're the body of Christ. 
It's all of all's job, right? <laughs> right? I, I love it. Pastor Greg, uh, Jenny wasn't here, and Jen and I dropped the ball. We were supposed to find somebody to serve in the nursery this morning. We're like, oh, at midnight, we're like, oh, no, we didn't find somebody. So we're like, oh, trying to come up with different ideas, so that's why you see some babies in here. But I loved it. Pastor Greg was like, when I told him this morning, he's like, I'll go serve in the nursery. I'm like, well, Greg, you're a pastor. He's like, so what? I like kids. I, I love that because he's willing to do it's like my house, right? If someone else spilled something, I'm like, well, it's my house. I don't want to slip on it. I don't want that to cause a state. Like, I'm going to clean it up because it's my house. It's the same idea. When we come here, if there's a need, we're all the same way. I'm in relationship with everybody. We're just going to take care of the church together. And so, oh, man, I want to give time for us to maybe put some of this into practice, to process some of this. So I know we got 10 minutes. That's why I was trying to, I was aiming for 10 minutes. So as Daniel is finding a way to get rid of his kids, not rid of his kids, um, uh, coming up here, we're going to sing a song in just a second. I, on purpose, I'm leaving early. Because I want you, as we sing this song, as the worship team comes on up, the whole worship team come up for this one song. And I want us during this song to ask what I ask probably every Sunday. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? But then make it specific. Don't make it in general terms like, yeah, I need to work on my relations with people. Okay, that's very general and vague. What does that mean specifically for somebody in your life? Holy Spirit, is there somebody you're highlighting? Is there an area of my life where I could serve that I'm not currently serving? This, my goal this Sunday morning was not to get you to go work in the nursery. Right? Like, or I need you over here. I didn't have something specific in mind that I need this. It's just the idea is, can I say this? I feel like sometimes when pastors give a message on tithing, it's like, oh, the pastor just needs more money. That's not my heart when I preach on tithing. My heart is actually it's better for you. It's so that life will go well for you, so that your finances will prosper. If you'd learn how to tithe, oh, it's not just for my sake. It's for your sake way more than my sake. So I'm what's relationship got to do with it? When I give that message, it's because I care about you, not because I care about the finances of our church. When I say there's opportunities to serve, I'm not saying that because I need you guys to do more around here. That is not my heart. My heart is you actually come alive when you serve. When you join something and you don't just come on a Sunday morning, but you find a way to not just receive, but to give. Jesus said, it's actually more, you're more blessed to give than to receive. So all that, as we sing this song, I'm gonna encourage you, as the worship team sings this, maybe you're not supposed to just stand and just sing and get lost in the worship song. Ask Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me this morning? What's an area that not just my flesh is being convicted in, what are you actually saying? Is there a person? Is there an area? Is there a way I can humble myself? Can I apply Romans 12 in a certain way? So we're gonna sing this song. We're not gonna sing the long version, we're gonna sing the short version because I got one more thing for us to do. Does that make sense? So I'm gonna say a quick prayer. We're gonna sing a song and I'm gonna talk to you again. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word that both encourages and reproves and corrects. Lord, I, I want to be transformed. We just read Romans 12. I want to be transformed this morning by the renewing of my mind. I want Osmond Church, us as a body, to be transformed. I want us to repent where we've been wrong, but I want us to be excited about where we're headed. So Holy Spirit, have your way. As we sang that song earlier, I will do anything 
Anything you ask, I'm your servant. Yes, you've called me your friend, but I'm also your bondservant. And I want to do anything you ask of me with a cheerful heart. So Holy Spirit, speak to me. Ask me something. What do you want of me? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.